This is the message from Connection Community Church for January 19th, 2020. 2020, out of sight. Well, good morning, Connection Church. Isn't this just a glorious day to be part of God's kingdom? Amen? Amen. Amen. So this month, our theme is 2020, not only celebrating the, the year, but focusing on seeing things clearly. And so this morning, we're going to be talking about out of sight. Good morning, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? Almighty God, thank you so much for today. It's no accident that any one of us are here. You knew that so long ago. And now open our hearts that we might hear <clears throat> your word found in Scripture and that we might be changed and transformed by it. I pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And everybody gathered said, Amen. I also want to take a minute to welcome those of you who are joining us online. It's so good to see you. Some of you are um, caring for loved ones in the hospital. We hope you have a good connection with us while you're watching. And um, some are in Florida and some are traveling and some are just local, but we're glad that you're with us. We are one church, many locations. I hope those traveling aren't watching while they're driving. I'm just saying. Yeah, I know. Just saying. So, out of sight, that's what we're talking about today. Out of sight, as in out of sight, out of mind. Can you say out of sight? Out of sight. Say out of mind. Out of mind. How often are we able to ignore things? able to not even see that they are there, because for us, if they're out of sight, therefore they are out of mind. What we're talking about today specifically is how people are treated, how people who are different than I might be or you might be are treated. When people aren't treated right, when people are treated poorly with hatred because they're different, And those differences come in a wide variety of ways. We allow things like religion and race and gender and sexual orientation and nationality and political beliefs, and I could keep on going. Age. We allow those things to separate us, and they also bring fear in because if people are different than me, I might be a little bit afraid. And we stand against that in the name of Jesus. If all too often, if we are not affected directly, then we don't realize the damage that this whole thing has done. Out of sight, out of our sight, out of our minds. And so we just put these blinders on and keep on going. So let me give you an ugly example of this that just happened this past weekend at the youth rally in Ocean City. We were told that a young lady, a participant in the rally, asked someone the time. And the person responded by saying they didn't give the time to, and then used a word that I can't use this morning because 
As Webster shares, it refers to almost certainly the most offensive and inflammatory racial slur in the English language. A term of hatred, a term of bigotry. So this person says, I can't give the time to a... This was at a Christian youth rally in our area. You know, we like to believe that behavior is a thing of the past, that it no longer exists, but we'd be wrong, wouldn't we? It seems to be out of sight, but it isn't. The leader of the rally talked to all those in attendance about what happened, calling for repentance and prayer, making sure that it was not out of sight, out of mind, reminding those gathered for the weekend that this behavior was completely unacceptable. Unacceptable, and yet it still occurs, doesn't it? Yeah. In the video bump that we just saw before we started speaking, we saw 200 faces, <laughs> all shapes, all sizes, all ages, all colors. Behind each face was a person, a person that may look different than you or me. They may be different in a lot of different ways. But as the video pointed out, every single one of these faces was created by God. The same God who created you, who created me. The same God who calls us to love each and every one of those faces that we saw on the screen this morning. There's a scripture, it's one that we've used quite frequently, it's at the very Beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So God created human beings in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So God created us male and female. In God's image, God created us. You know, there's been a lot of debate over the years as to what it means created in God's image. Perhaps it's the capacity to love unconditionally as God loves us. Perhaps it's the capacity to forgive as God forgives us. Perhaps it's the uh, uh, divine spark of, of creativity as God is the uh, all-time creative one. We're not absolutely certain what it means to be created in God's image, although we have a, an idea, but, but we do know what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that God created me to hate you because you look different from me, think different from me, uh, act different from me, maybe even believe different from me. First John, it's a book found in the later part of the New Testament. There's first, second, and third John. In that, in that book, we find that uh, we're told God is love. Say it with me, will you? God, God is, is love. love. It's a really simple sentence, isn't it? But it just speaks volumes. Say it again. God, God is, is love. love. And um, the God of love does not create life in his image for the purpose of prejudice and bigotry. I can guarantee you that one. 1 John 4, 7 through 8, New International Version. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. God. 
Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Say this last line with me. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Connection Community Church is part of the United Methodist denomination. And for a lot of years, there's been disagreement. Um, you may have been reading this in the news or on Facebook, but it did not just start. It's been going on for like 40-some years. There's been a lot of discussion and division over um, truth as we see it in Scripture and particularly around um, same-sex marriage and ordination. Now, we've always been theologically conservative, and so it's been a challenge for us over the years and for the Methodist Church in general, as the pendulum has swung to being uh, a lot more progressive. As we shared a couple of weeks ago, it appears that the United Methodist Church is headed toward a separation. Now, I think we're the last one standing because it's happened to the Presby, Presbyterians, the Episcopals, the Lutherans. You know, everybody has separated over, you know, some, some issues that we just can't do life together, and, and that'll probably happen in the next couple years. We think that it's a good thing, that it's, it's time, and we can be good and do ministry together. The challenge, though, for everyone involved, no matter where we are on this spectrum, the challenge is to continue to love and honor and respect one another despite our differences. To not bring hatred, to not bring bigotry, to not bring judgment into this picture, and to not assume someone hates just because they see things differently because that's what happens if if i don't see things one way there might be an assumption that i just hate a person or you, you know we've all come against that and that's absolutely not the way it should be or what we're called to so several years ago we we came across a statement by rick warren who's the senior pastor of saddleback church in uh, lake forest california we wholeheartedly appreciate and agree with what Pastor Warren shares. This is, this, is what he, this is what he wrote. Our culture has accepted two huge lies. The first that is, is that if you disagree with someone's lifestyle, you must fear or hate them. The second is that to love someone means you agree with everything they believe or do. Both are nonsense. You don't have to compromise convictions to be compassionate. In the Bible, in the book of John, John's in the New Testament, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, they are about the life and the ministry of Jesus. We want to share an often quoted story. Jesus is in a place called Samaria. He's resting by the town well. The time is about noon. It's really hot, and a Samaritan woman comes to draw water from the well. Now, that's unusual that a woman would come out in the heat of day. They usually came out at the end of the day when it was cooler. Jesus asked this woman for a drink, and she's pretty surprised by this because Jews and Samaritans 
have hated each other. That's just the way it was. And in, the di in addition to that, in that particular culture at that time, it was not appropriate for a man to talk to a woman in public. And so here we have Jesus. He's crossing over two, not one, but two very strong cultural boundaries in order to share the good news with this woman who's drawing water from the well that day. I'd like to read to you from John chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. Jesus told her, go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. Fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Many Bible commentaries suggest that the reason the woman is going to the well at noon in the heat of the day when no one else is there is that she's been ostracized by the people in the town, especially the women, due to her many marriages and her current living situation. She's on the outside looking in, or has been, due to the choices she's made. And yet here is Jesus not condemning her, but talking to her about water, about the living water that he water, uh, offers, the living water that will permanently quench her thirst, that will give her eternal life. She mentions the Messiah in their conversation, and Jesus tells her she's looking at him. She's talking to him. Boy, that must have been great to see the expression on her face, huh? Well, when she hears that, she leaves her water jar and goes back to town. The well's kind of outside of town because it's where they water animals and stuff. She goes back into town, sharing with those in town what just happened. She wonders, she asks them, could this be the Christ? You know, could this be the, the Savior we've been waiting for? And they then come from town to see him. And Scripture tells us many believed because of this woman's testimony. The testimony of someone that's been ostracized, someone they had stayed away from, someone who for the most part had been forced out of sight, out of mind. And yet, through the love of Jesus Christ, not the condemnation, by the love of Jesus, she came to believe, and through her, others came to believe as well. Wow. She's no longer out of sight, is she? No, no. See, the love of Jesus overcomes our differences, overcomes our prejudices, overcomes our judgment of others. In his letter to the church at Galatia, Paul, who wrote like this much of the Bible, kind of a lot of the Bible, he writes about the barriers that Jesus tears down. I'd like to read Galatians 3, verses 26 through 28. So in Christ, you were all children of God through faith. For all of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. And here's the, the sentence to hear. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female. Say the rest with me. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. There's a Bible scholar, his name is William Barclay. He shares that in Paul's time, the Jewish man in 
would say a morning prayer. And in his morning prayer, he would uh, thank God for not making him a Gentile, which is a non-Jew, a slave, or a woman. So here in his letter to the Galatians, he shares that Jesus is came. He came to break down the barriers, overcome prejudices, eliminate condemnation. That doesn't mean accountability. That means a com- condemnation. Paul makes it clear that we are one in Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. In Christ, it is prejudice and it is bigotry that are out of sight. Not because we're pretending that they are no longer there, but because in Christ, they can be overcome. So in the 10th chapter of the book of Luke, that's the third book of the New Testament, we read of a religious law expert testing Jesus by asking what he, the law expert, must do to have eternal life. Well, Jesus is pretty slick because since this guy's a law expert, he says, well, what's written in the law? He's using what the guy knows to answer the question. And the guy responds that the law says you should love God with all of your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. We've heard that many times. Right in this story, we've heard many times, but it it bears repeating this morning. And so Jesus told him he was correct. Those two things, he was correct, and uh, said, do this and you will live. Wow. Wow. But then the man had to take it a step further. Another question. By asking, Jesus said, love your neighbors yourself. He asked, well, who is my neighbor? <laughs> That's a good question, isn't it? That's a very good question. Because the answer to that question opens up all kinds of possibilities, all kinds of opportunities, all kinds of responsibilities, or not. You see, if my neighbor is just the guy living next to me or behind me, or across the street from me, then I've got a pretty short list of the people God calls me to love, don't I? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's easy when we look at the world through this neighbor filter, isn't it? What it's easy to do is to ignore lots and lots of people, to pretend they aren't even there because they're out of sight and therefore they are out of mind. And by the way, for many of us, maybe not all, but it's probably getting better, our close-by neighbors, neighbors more often than not look a whole lot like us, act a whole lot like us, think a whole lot like us, believe a whole lot like us. The people who are different from me and therefore often treated different from me, I don't have to be concerned with, do I? <laughs> because they aren't my neighbors. That's true if I use this definition of neighbor that I just used, next door, behind, across the street. Little tiny definition. And I think that's what the expert in the law was counting on. (laughs) Perhaps some of us count on that as well. So Jesus redirected this discussion when he told a story of the Good Samaritan. He used it, he said it's a parable. A parable is a short story that tells a greater truth. So Jesus told this story. There's this Jewish guy who gets beaten and robbed on the road, and he's left there for dead. Two separate Jewish religious leaders come along, but they fail to stop and help him. Then a Samaritan comes along. Now remember, 
the Jews and the Samaritans don't get along. That's probably saying it nicely. They hate each other. And the Samaritan man stops and gives aid, unlike the two Jewish religious men. In fact, he takes the man to an inn. He pays the innkeeper for his night stay and also gives extra money for his medical expenses. Then Jesus asks the expert in the law, and so he finishes his story and he looks up at him. Can you just imagine the room was probably super quiet and everybody's probably getting a little bit antsy because Jesus asked the expert in the law which of the three men were truly the neighbor of the fallen man. And he responded, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus said, go and do likewise. <laughs> that doesn't sound like, hey, how about if you think about? This is like, go. It sounds like a command to me. Go and do likewise. In other words, broaden your definition of neighbor to the point where it includes everyone, even those we don't know, even those who are different than us, even those who we may not even like. If we follow Jesus, if you are a Christ follower, we can no longer say, not my problem, not my responsibility, it's not my neighbor, we can't say that if Jesus is truly in our hearts and if we're living out our Christianity the way we're supposed to. Every last one of us, we can't say out of sight, out of mind. We're all neighbors. Hey, neighbor. <laughs> you know, we live in a world that's pretty messed up uh, most of the time. Can I get an amen on that? Yeah, pretty messed up place. Ever since Adam and Eve took a bite of that fruit, things on earth have been anything but paradise. And that's especially true when it comes to how we treat each other. Especially how we treat those who are different from ourselves. How easy it is for us to not deal with the challenges our brothers and sisters face. Especially when we're not having to face those challenges ourselves. Especially when we can pretend that they're out of sight and therefore... Out of mind. How easy it is to dislike someone, distrust someone, disengage from someone just because they don't look like me, think like me, worship like me, believe like me. How often is it that we hurt someone, take advantage of someone, ignore someone in one way or another? Racism, sexism, Ageism, you, you name the ism, there's plenty of them. All these things work to separate and divide us rather than bring us closer together. And you know, Satan loves all this. It's part of his steal, kill, and destroy campaign. What Jesus talked to us about in John 10.10, 10, that Satan steals, kills, and destroys, steals our joys, kills our dreams, destroys our lives. Satan uses separation from, a mother, from one another to help carry out his campaign. I love Connection Church. And as I look out and I see each one of you, 
I am so thankful that we are growing in our diversity. We need each other. We need each other to help understand each other, to break barriers, to take the fear out. We need each other. I'm grateful for all of you, and especially those of you who have come into our congregation, and you're risking to be you. We love you. And I'm going to say, may God slam our doors shut if we ever behave in a way that is contrary to God and don't value people as God created each one of us. We have a mission together, every one of us, if you claim connection as your own, together to connect people with Jesus and the new life he offers. And oh, what a difference it could make in our community, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our homes, if we each took that responsibility, linking arm in arm, trying to make a difference to just blow the differences and the barriers up. God needs each one of us to do that. Hmm. It's why we need Jesus. We need Jesus to save us from ourselves. Jesus, the sacrifice of all sacrifices, to pay the price for the sin that we cannot pay for ourselves. It's Jesus who brings us together, and it's Satan who divides us. It's Jesus who helps us love one another and try to understand each other. No matter where we are, I mean, this diversity, I'm just not talking racial. I'm talking socioeconomic. I'm talking, you know, where we've come from. I'm talking education. I'm talking age. I'm talking addiction. I'm talking a lot of stuff. And God has put us all together, and it is beautiful. And we have such a great opportunity to share with others that it's Jesus and it's Jesus alone that helps us and guides us so that we can all be neighbors together and help show that out in a hurting and messed up world. Mm-hmm. Jesus calls us to say everyone's our neighbor, the ones we see, the ones we don't see, even to the ends of the earth. And some of us are getting ready to go to India in a couple weeks and some are going to Africa at the same time, and we're going to just take the gospel to the ends of the earth. So just take a second, because see, we get to stand up here and say, just look around at how, how different the people around you are from you. It might be age, it might be color of hair, or lack thereof. <laughs> might be gender. Could might be a be disability. Disability, might be uh, different ability. It might be skin color. It might be, you know, a lot of variety in there. God's very creative. Absolutely creative. Glorious thing. You know, tomorrow we set aside the day to remember Dr. Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. Now, Reverend Dr. King worked tirelessly to tear down a barrier that separates us to help us see that we're more alike than we are different. To help us imagine a world 
in which our differences no longer separate us. On August 28, 1963, that's over 56 years ago now. Wow. He was giving a speech during the March on Washington for jobs and freedom. Partway through his prepared speech, gospel singer Mahalia Jashin cried out, Tell him about the dream, Martin. Tell him about the dream. And so King departed from his planned speech. And with a single phrase, joined the ranks of some of the greatest speakers this country's ever known. Eight times during the speech, King used the phrase, I have a dream. You're probably familiar with that phrase because of that speech. I, I have a dream. Painting a picture of an integrated and unified America for those in the audience that day and everyone who's heard it ever since. Among the most qu quoted lines from that speech that day is this. Because I have a dream. My poor little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. We still have that dream. We have that dream. It's not yet fully been realized as evidence of what happened last weekend at the youth rally. But we pray that we're a little bit closer, maybe a little bit closer than 56 years ago. And we look to Jesus as a community of faith, as the one who can bring us together, the one who can help us not let our differences come between us. And while we're looking to Jesus, he's looking to us. He's looking to us to be his hands and his feet, his ears and his voice, bringing us together rather than tearing us apart, looking with eyes wide open, not out of sight, not out of mind, but eyes wide open, not pretending that it's just not there. With Jesus, the kingdom of God is being ushered in. It's not quite yet. A lot of work to do. A lot of work to do before we experience perfection. And the question is, are you willing to be a part of that? Are you willing to be God's vessel, God's person, God's girl, God's guy, to usher in the kingdom of God? To be kind and compassionate and loving, even when it's hard. Even when we might be a little nervous or afraid. Because that's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to do. Are you willing to be part of the solution, not part of the problem? No longer out of sight. How good of a neighbor are you willing to be? How good of a neighbor are you willing to be? As we close this service, I'd like to pray, and I just pray that all of us here 
connect with God and ask God to look deep in our heart and reveal those places that we need to work on and help us um, love more fully and care deeply for one another. The steps are open for prayer. We've got Mike and Maria back there. They can pray with you about anything. Let's go to God now. Almighty God, forgive us. Forgive us, we, we ask, for those times when we hurt each other, where we have offense. And Lord, if we are on the end of that, help us be forgiving and loving in spite of others. Help us always reflect who you are and whose we are. For we are your people, your children, all made in your image. Help us not live out of sight, out of mind, but really being your hands and feet, your vessels to create the world that we dream of, that you dream of, where there's no more hatred and hurt. We thank you, God that you are Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, and we stand firmly on your foundation. I pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers.